Welcome to Sports Rivals with Monty and Ernie. Lively, entertaining banter on sports topics you want to hear. And however you may be listening, welcome to the Sports Rivals. Ernie, it's the first day of spring, March 21st. March Madness is in full swing. We've got all your March Madness coverage coming up. We're going to talk a little bit about Major League Baseball settling and some free agent signings and then another unbelievably crazy week in the NFL. But we have to start with March Madness. Ernie, your impressions on the first two days? Uh... My brackets are. <laughs> Normally, I'd have maybe one uh, of my final four out, you know, at, at worst. Uh, I'm on the verge of having two. I mean, right now, as we speak, it looks like uh, Arizona and TCU are going into overtime. If, if Arizona doesn't pull it off, I mean, I'm, I, I really got to cross my fingers for, for, UC, for UCLA to get in there. So, gang... Uh, hopefully you guys all checked us out on, on uh, social media. As we told you last week, we had to record on Friday. So we put out our brackets, our full brackets we put out uh, on Tuesday and Wednesday on our social media pages. And as a recap, Ernie had Arkansas winning the West, UCLA winning the East, Arizona winning the South, and Auburn winning the Midwest. Uh, as he alluded to, Auburn was, you know, to me, they were shocked today by Miami by a 79 to 61 score and Ernie has UCLA winning it all. I went with Gonzaga, UCLA, Arizona and Iowa. That Iowa loss in the first round made me look pretty retarded um, but they had been playing well but they didn't play in the, in the first round so let's kind of go region by region and let's start with the West because that's where my Gonzaga Bulldogs are. Ernie, at this point, it's the only region that has relatively gone according to plan. You have the top four seeds all advancing. So you have Gonzaga and Arkansas meeting up in the Sweet 16. You also have Texas Tech and Duke. So no real surprises in that region. No, not 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 now. Although although a lot of the games have been have been have been actually close. There haven't been the upsets as you've seen in other regions. Uh, like you said, uh, the major players are, are there, but uh, you know what? This is where it really gets down to the nitty-gritty, the Sweet 16. So, you know, Gonzaga's going to go against Arkansas. Gonzaga barely got around with Memphis, if not for a superb game by Drew Timmy. Yeah, I mean, I was texting Ernie because I was uh, getting ready to fly out uh, from the mainland coming back home, um, and I missed the entire game. And from the from the last hour of the flight, I was refreshing ESPN illegally on the plane, trying to find out what the score was. <laughs> um, and then when I finally landed and I saw the score, it wasn't a surprise because as a Gonzaga fan, I was terrified of the Memphis Tigers. They've been playing great ball. And let's not forget, Memphis was a top five, top 10, top five team in the preseason. They had a rough start, but the last two months, they really turned it on. Uh, and they gave Gonzaga all they could handle. And I, I, I can say this. I thought Drew Timmy had a disappointing season overall this year. But when it matters, he is stepping up. He dominated in the first round against Georgia State. Now, you may say it's just Georgia State. But Gonzaga was struggling. And he went for 32 points mm -hmm. and 14 rebounds. Uh, and then he comes back yelling at his teammates at halftime. 
uh, goes for 21-22 points in the second half uh, to carry them down the stretch. So Drew Timmy is stepping up, but Gonzaga better not start slowly against Arkansas or they may not be able to come back. And the other thing is they're shooting 52% through the first two weeks from the free throw line. That cannot happen. Yeah, you don't win national championships shooting 52% from the free throw line. So that's got to get better. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And they're not the only ones. Arkansas had a really hard time against New, Me- New Mexico State. Uh, Duke against Michigan State. I mean, I thought at one point, boy, this might this might really be Krzyzewski's last game until, you know, the last... Uh, you know, the last two or three minutes in that game where Duke actually pulled away. So even though the top seeds did advance in the West region, it was a struggle for them. Yeah, I mean, all games, are, I think, are going to be relatively close. And I think that's what we've seen. Me personally, as many upsets as there has been, it hasn't been as many as I expected it to be. However, you're right. Every single game is a battle. So let's switch down to the East where your North Carolina Tar Heels knocked off Baylor uh, in the second round. So right now as we speak, you have a North Carolina UCLA mega behemoths, uh, historically speaking, uh, in the Sweet 16. And then you have Purdue against the Cinderella of all Cinderellas, St. Peter's. St. Peter's. Knocks off Kentucky and then comes back and knocks off Murray State. And the St. Peter's are in the Sweet 16. Ernie, your thoughts on the East? That was that was basically crazy. And, um, you know, that was, as far as North Carolina was concerned, probably the best loss of my, because I had them losing. I mean, I, I really didn't think with four men playing, especially when, especially when Manic got ejected from the game, Love gets, you know, gets fouled out with six minutes to go. North Carolina blows a 25-point lead. They go into overtime. I thought it was basically over. I well, mean, see, I love the Tar Heels coming into the tournament, and I had them knocking off Baylor in this round, but you're absolutely right. You know, up 25, Manic is going crazy, um, and then Sokrin or, or Sokrin yeah. really was doing his best Dennis Rodman imitation, getting in people's heads, but I didn't see that Manic foul as being a flagrant two me neither. and an ejection. I thought that that was the referee saying, hey, you know what? Let's send a message. They're up 25. We'll eject him. This is not going to cost the game. And boy, were they wrong. Yeah. Because within two minutes, Baylor goes on an 11-0 run to cut it to 14. Then Caleb Lubb uh, fouls out. And then they tie it. And once he went to overtime, Ernie, I thought North Carolina no, had no chance at all. And Baylor goes 1-11 for 11 and the Tar Heels pull it off. Yeah, incredible, incredible. And I, I wasn't a believer because I didn't think that. I, I knew that the... Though you know their their starting lineup was was formidable, but with two of them gone going into overtime, I didn't think it would happen. It, I, I think they are very fortunate that Baylor, to me, ran out of gas. Yeah, they used all their energy to to come back from that twenty five point, and they really seem to not have their legs uh, in overtime. But a great win for North Carolina, and I really believe in their starting five. But man, that lack of depth is going to cost them eventually, yeah, I think. Yeah. I mean, uh, and then against UCLA in the next round, UCLA has a lot of depth. UCLA plays physical. Um, I think that's going to be an uphill battle for the Tar Heels against UCLA. But UCLA with an impressive win. I mean, St. Mary's in round one, we had talked about this over the last couple of weeks. St. Mary's is going to be a problem for anyone that they played. And they beat Indiana by almost 30 in the first round. Um, they took an early lead against UCLA, but then UCLA methodically pounded the ball shot 56 percent from the field 
uh, with an impressive win going away by 16 points over St. Mary's. Yeah, and I think this is this is uh, a lot of show from last year's uh, you know run into the final four. You know, uh, Tiger Campbell, ter- tremendous leadership. Uh, Ju Zhang comes out of his slump, hits some critical shots towards the end. UCLA, I think, uh, you know, I'm hoping that there. Th- this is a, a, a good wake-up call because I have them as my champions, you know, but they've been, you know, they've been playing very, they showed me that, uh, you know, they can overcome adversity and, you know, it, it shows that, you know, they, they have what it takes to at least get there. So we'll, we'll see if that happens. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I'm, I'm a believer in UCLA. I have them going to the Final Four as well. On the bottom half of the East bracket, you have Purdue against St. Peter's. Uh, Purdue, you know, hard-fought win initially against Yale. They pulled away late. A, a pretty solid 10-point win today uh, over Texas. Uh, and then again, St. Peter's. Does St. Peter's have another shocker um, left in them? You know what? They're, they're, they believe they believe so much in themselves. I, you know what? If if they beat if they can beat Kentucky, they can beat Purdue. You know, let's just let's just let's just say that if they can beat Kentucky, they can definitely beat Purdue, and they beat Kentucky by six points. You know, uh, I didn't think I thought they would run out of gas against Murray State. Murray State been playing, you know, terrific basketball. They they held off a very feisty San Francisco team in the first round. But boy, uh, you know what? It it to me it looked like Murray State was the lesser of the two teams in in that game. I I don't think it was just uh, St. Peter's getting hot. I think St. Peter's just played a better ba- brand of basketball. So you know the Boilermakers, they better not uh, be sleeping well t- tonight because St. Peter's. I can guarantee you, the, America loves the underdogs, and that's gonna they're they're gonna have the. You know, those a lot of underdogs cheering for them in that matchup. Oh, I, I totally agree. I think America is going to be cheering for St. Peter's. I, I just, you know, I would be shocked if they beat Purdue. I mean, Purdue has Zach Eady, the seven foot four guy who should be able to get every rebound and shoot until he scores. You have Travion Williams, another 6'11 stud center. You have Jaden Ivey, a top five NBA pick. They seem to have too much size and athleticism, but in NCAA basketball and the three-point line, you just never know. But I would make Purdue a a prohibitive favorite there. So I'm looking at a UCLA-Purdue in the Elite Eight. I think you have UCLA for sure because you have them winning it all. Mm -hmm. And I think although we were probably all hoping for St. Peter's, I would expect that you would think Purdue would win that game. Yeah, I, I, I would. If if I were a betting man, I would put Purdue, but I wouldn't put, slip it past St. Peter's. I mean, it w- let's just say this: it wouldn't sh- it wouldn't shock me after after watching the ending of that Kentucky game and all of the Murray State game. I'm a believer in St. Peter's. Yep, I mean it's not Sister Jean, but they've got some kind of sister at St. Peter's, and they're winning. Now the Arizona game, it's now 81-77 with two minutes left. Arizona is up four, so we're gonna save that region for last. Let's jump to the to the Midwest region, um, that's where I had Iowa going all the way, and that <laughs> didn't happen. Um, so right now you're looking at Kansas and Providence, one versus four. So that went according to seeding, um, and then on the bottom half, that's where you have the surprises. You have the 11 seeded Iowa State Cyclones. Right. They upset LSU in the first round. Although I didn't believe that was much of an upset because LSU was playing without their coach that they fired right before the tournament started. And then they upset Wisconsin. Now, that was an upset, but Wisconsin's playing their worst ball of the season at the worst time, only putting up 49 
points Iowa State advances but Miami Miami upsets USC mm-hmm. relatively speaking a 10 over a 7 and then handles Auburn I mean they led the entire game the score the ending score is probably not indicative of, of how tight it was but an 18 point victory over the Auburn Tigers I, I'm shocked there so you're looking at either a 10 or an 11 seed Making it to the Elite Eight there. Yeah, that was, that was incredible. I really thought, yeah, and I, I'll agree with you in regards to that game was a lot closer. I, I thought Auburn had every opportunity to get back into the game. I mean, how many, if, if you look at their shot selection, how many shots inside the paint that they actually missed, basically layups. I mean, when you, when, when you have... when you have Kessler and you have Smith in there, you would expect that you'd have better better uh type of success uh i have no idea what happened to the auburn tigers they looked they looked like they were frantic they made some terrible decisions toward the end uh they would they would have lost two more teams than miami today if uh, uh, i can tell you that right now their coach will tell you they played a very bad game today. well you know auburn is just like wisconsin i mean they very similar down the stretch auburn was not playing their best ball they went out early in the sec tournament uh and it's guard play i mean because jabari has been jabari i mean he may not have his best game today but he's been playing really really well but early on in the year the guards were shooting the ball at such a high clip it was creating spacing for kessler um but they started to struggle. They weren't hitting their shots, and then it became all Jabari, and then you're clogging the middle, so Kessler couldn't get on track, uh, and the Auburn Tigers go down. So there you're looking at Kansas and Providence, Miami and Iowa State. It looks on the surface, at least, that Kansas should have a pretty clear path to the Final Four. Maybe. Providence is playing some very impressive ball right now. So if Providence gives them a... If they play one of their... Uh, if they play their A game, Kansas doesn't, I could easily see Providence, uh, you know, uh, getting into that the, the Elite Eight position. So yeah, You're definitely right. I mean, Providence is playing great. They're playing I terrific. Mean, you know, I had them losing to Iowa. Actually, I had them losing in the first round. Me too. I, I had them lo- uh, losing to South, South Dakota, Dakota State. State. They found a way to knock them off. And then um, and then they convincing win over Richmond, who knocked off my Final Four team, Iowa. So you're right. I mean, anything can happen. Um, but I, to me right now, I'm looking at Kansas as the favorite to, to get in there. Now, in the last region in the South, that game now has gone to a little under a minute left in the overtime. Arizona leads 83-80. to 80. It's still a tight game. Um, but this is where we stand. This is what we know so far. Villanova has advanced. You know, Villanova had a convincing first-round win, and then they beat Ohio State relatively handily today. And my Michigan Wolverines are my 17 and 14 Michigan Wolverines. We Surprising. talked about it last week, how they had gone 12 straight games of win one, lose one, win one, lose one. So I expected them to win the first game over Colorado State, and they did. But I expected them to lose the next game against Tennessee, and they did not. Um, they found a way to knock off the Tennessee Volunteers, 76-68, and they move on to face Villanova in the Sweet 16. On the top half, while we're waiting for Arizona, you have the Houston Cougars. Um, they took out Illinois today in a pretty handily way from start to finish. Um, they pretty much controlled the game. They advanced to face the winner of Arizona and TCU. And that's going to be a great game. So this region has some pretty good games. Michigan-Villanova would be a good game. I think they're, they're very evenly matched if Michigan is playing well. And then Houston against Arizona, I think, is going to be a great game. A matchup of two of the teams that have 
uh, high efficiency in both offense and defense. Yeah, I agree. If I mean, if Arizona hangs on to win this game, Houston and Arizona will be a really good marquee matchup. Uh, that Michigan game against Tennessee, Tennessee just forgot how to shoot in the last five minutes. I really thought Tennessee was going to pull it off. Michigan just had the grit. They wanted it more. Tennessee didn't. Uh, I saw a stat out there that Tennessee has, has only been to one Elite Eight. I had them in the Elite Eight. My, at least my Elite I Eight. I did too. For this year. But boy, history just proves itself again. Tennessee loses against Michigan. And it looks like Arizona is going to hold off TCU. A follow dunk by Coloco and Arizona goes up 85 to 80 with nine and a half seconds left. It looks like Arizona will advance. So one thing I want to touch on before we get out of the NCAA tournament and we move on is my metrics, Ernie. My metrics. I agree. You know, My I'm, metrics I'm, are looking pretty good. I, I'm a believer. I'm Gang, a believer. last week we talked about since 2008, the eventual champion has been a top 20 to top 25 in both offensive efficiency and defensive efficiency. And we talked about that there were four teams that met that criteria this year. Gonzaga, UCLA, Houston, and Arizona. All and alive. if Arizona pulls this off, all four of them are going to be still alive in the Sweet 16. So if you go back to who my final four picks are, I picked all the ones that I could, but Arizona is now going to face Houston. So obviously only one of them can go on. But that's how I got Gonzaga. Actually, I would have picked Gonzaga anyway. That's how I got UCLA. That's how I got Houston going as far as I did. And that's how I got Arizona. So guys, if you're betting... You still have a chance. There's four teams left. Arizona just pulls it off. Arizona has gone final 85-80. And Ernie and I both still have three teams remaining for the final four. Yeah, I'm just glad that Arizona pulled it off. I mean, it was like, oh my goodness. I, I, can't, I, can't, be, I can't believe this. That I, you know, After uh, one weekend of uh, March Madness, madness that my, the two of my uh, final four teams would be already out. Thank you, Arizona, for pulling off that win. <laughs> so, Ernie, going into the Sweet 16, which games are you most looking forward to? I mean, let's talk about the Thursday games. You have Gonzaga, Arkansas, Texas Tech, Duke, as well as, I believe... Let's see. I believe it is the Arizona region. So you have Arizona, Houston, Michigan, Villanova, Gonzaga, Arkansas, Texas Tech, Duke. Which of those games are you most excited for? I'm. I'm. I. I, I want to see how. I want to see how Arizona plays against Houston. Houston in today's game really set the pace. You know, they they look like the. You know, they they had Illinois in all types of all types of trouble. I, 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 they really put Illinois out of sync in that in, in, in today's game. Uh, you know, they had uh, outstanding guard play. They were really pressuring on the perimeter. Illinois was discombobulated in every which way. I mean, that, and, and it showed towards uh, on that 15-point win. Uh, Arizona have, have their, you know, their double big in the middle. You know, they also have good guard play. That is going to be, to me, a really good matchup. Now, in the West, Gonzaga, Arkansas, Gonzaga got to wake up. They really need help from Chet, uh, Chet Holmgren. That guy has been, uh, uh, you know, missing uh, in big games. I, uh, there was a stat today that in, in, uh, when, when Gonzaga plays ranked teams, Chet goes missing. 
I mean, St. Mary's, I, I, I believe when they played uh, earlier in the room, he is averaging under 10 points a game. I believe in the regular season, he's been averaging about 14. His uh, shooting percentage goes tremendously down. So let's see if he can turn that around with Arkansas. I think if, if uh, history repeats itself, Gonzaga is going to have a really hard time with Arkansas. Chet is going to have to show up. Well, that's that's an important game. I mean, that's an important game for Ernie and I just from a pride perspective because Ernie has Arkansas knocking off Gonzaga, making it to the Final Four, and I hope he's absolutely wrong there. Um, <laughs> but I tell you what, Ernie, me personally, I think Thursday is going to be just such an amazing day because you have my top three teams. I mean, you guys all know that I talk a lot about Gonzaga and I talk a lot about Michigan. I think everybody knows that. But Duke is my third favorite team, and especially this year with Coach K going out, I am hopeful that he can at least make it to the Elite Eight, and then he would face Gonzaga, hopefully, and then we'll see from there. So I'm going to be riveted. Gonzaga-Arkansas is going to be tight. You're absolutely right. Gonzaga's got to start playing better. They have to play 40 full minutes. If they do, they're going to be too much for Arkansas, I believe. Arizona-Houston is going to be a dogfight. Mm -hmm. I think they're a really good matchup. I think Houston is going to give Arizona all they can handle. Uh, Houston is playing really, really well right now. It's a battle of two teams that meet that defense-offense efficiencies. Uh, And then my Michigan Wolverines. I mean, I think at this point, I think if they can beat Tennessee, they can beat Villanova. And I do think they can match up with Villanova. Uh, But Villanova finds a way. I mean, they always do well in the tournament and have been for the last decade. So Michigan's going to have their hands full, but I'm hoping they can knock them off. So I'm hoping for a Gonzaga-Duke-Michigan victory and a good game in Arizona and Houston. Yeah, very fair enough. I mean, on top of that, uh, Villanova, they've been playing well. Again, like like I said, they don't really make mistakes. They're a really good, uh, very disciplined team. Michigan is going to have to be on all cylinders. If they can produce, if they can bottle what they had today, you know, as far as, uh, you know, the the wanting to win. And I don't know if this has uh, a lot to do with uh, Juwan Howard getting suspended towards the ending of the last season, but they look like a totally different Michigan team. I think one thing that Michigan has uh, is Hunter Dickinson. I think he's going to be a problem. It has been a problem for everybody. Uh, he has to have a 25-point game to me mm-hmm. uh, to offset the wonderful guard play from Villanova. So on Friday... To me, the obvious matchup, the obvious marquee matchup is your North Carolina Tar Heels against your predicted NCAA champion UCLA. To me, that is the marquee game of the night. I don't want to watch that because I am torn on that. Do I want to win my bracket or do I want North Carolina to win? Obviously, I want North Carolina to win. I mean, I'll throw away the bracket on top of that, but it will be it'll be a bittersweet It'll be a bittersweet win. I think that's going to be an unbelievable game. And again, it's going to come down to... Like, if I'm UCLA and I'm looking at that film, I'm going to pressure them. I'm going to... No, Nick Cronin doesn't like to speed the game up. He likes to slow the pace down. But I think North, North Carolina showed some real vulnerability there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I, But that's the only game that I find really riveting. I mean, the Purdue St. Peter's game... Ah, if you like Cinderella, you'll cheer for that. Iowa State, Miami, oh, yawner for me. <laughs> <laughs> and then Kansas, Providence. That has the makings of a potentially good game. I mean, Providence has been around a top 10 team. So that that theoretically uh, is a good game. But 
not the cachet of the Thursday games. To me, the Thursday games have a lot more excitement. Um, but that North Carolina UCLA game is going to be a dogfight. That's going to be exciting. That's going to be it. It, it will be, and uh, you know, as we get it down to the smaller games, I mean, I think the referee crews that are going to be, uh, you know, in these sweet, sweet sixteen games will be actually one of the better, better, better referee crews. I mean, you can't argue that you know, in, in the in the first couple of rounds that there were some questionable calls by all these refs. I'm so glad you brought that up. That was the last thing that I wanted to touch on. It is the the refereeing in the this tournament so far, to me, has been substandard. Yes. I mean, it was, uh, to me, that North Carolina Baylor one, I alluded to it earlier. I thought the refereeing in that second half was just unbelievable. And Ernie is a North Carolina fan, but as I just told you, I'm a Duke fan. So I was not cheering for North Carolina necessarily, other than the fact that I picked it. Uh, so I kind of was. Um, but I thought they were getting hosed there for that five-minute stretch. And it was not just the manic ejection, which I thought went way too far. That was ridiculous. But it was all the traps and turnovers that Baylor was getting. On almost every single one of those, they were fouling. They were slapping. They were grabbing. They were fouling. Um, and there was one play towards the, the half line where... Baylor traps and Mayer bumps the guy into the backcourt. It clearly should yep. have been his yep. fifth foul. And exactly. that was with six minutes left. Instead, they call a backcourt violation and North Carolina continues their run. I mean, I was flabbergasted. And that's not the only game. I think it's been kind of a telltale sign. A lot, a lot. of people complaining about bad refereeing to, in to, this tournament. Today's game, this last game, Arizona TCU. TCU brings up the ball. To me, he was bumped. He was bumped. You know, and then Arizona steals the ball, and they, they and almost they, wins it. Yeah, at exactly, the exactly, all almost. And uh, TCU could very well argue that that should have been a shooting foul. TCU goes up. Who knows what what would have happened? So. I'm glad that didn't happen <laughs> because no. now Arizona it, gets to advance, but. Yeah, questionable. You know, Jay, uh, Jay Bylas has been very loud and critical most of the season, and over the last couple of days, just being like. They're, the NCAA is kind of turning into the NBA of the late 80s and 90s where they're allowing so much more physical play. There's a lot of physical play that's happening. He refers to it as this is not basketball. This is hockey. This is rugby the way they're playing it right now. Uh, and he's asking for people to stop that. So you're right, though. You would think that now that we're down to the Sweet 16, uh, all you have to do is have two good crews in each region. Um, that you're going to have the best of the best there because it would be a shame if referee calls decided decide a game. Yes. Like it almost did in that North Carolina game. Yeah. It could have easily have done that with yeah. that one ejection and some bad calls on top of that. So hopefully it gets better because you never want a championship to be decided by a bad call. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the what ifs that follow up in the articles, at least on the losing team's uh, media. <laughs> yeah, but hey... There are 16 teams left. I have my favorite teams, Gonzaga, Michigan, and Duke, all alive. Ernie has his North Carolina Tar Heels still alive. We both have three out of our four people uh, teams left. If you joined our bracket on, on the ESPN Tournament Challenge, you'd see that my bracket right now is still in the 99 percentile. 
Although that still ranks only in the two top two hundred and fifty thousand brackets, that's about nine hundred fifty thousand better than mine. So, but but I, I still believe I'm in the top ten percent. There you go. And, and gang, you know, for me, this is the best time of the year. March Madness is just so exciting, and I don't I don't think this first week has been a disappointment at all. I think you've had a lot of close games, some nail biters, some some surprises, some some great teams getting tested mightily including the game that just ended with Arizona having to go to overtime to hold off TCU so it's looking for an exciting second week so Ernie let's move on let's touch real briefly on baseball I know you don't you're not a baseball fan until like October but I do have to mention a couple things one first of all Major League came to an agreement so you finally have a baseball season and they're going to play a full 162 games but what I really wanted to allude to and talk about is Freddie Freeman coming home to Los Angeles and joining the Dodgers on a six-year, $162 million contract. Now, by today's standards in baseball, that's not a bad deal. The Dodgers normally don't go that long, but I think they compromise. I'm guessing it's a big dollars in the first four years and a sliding scale on the back year. But Freddie Freeman slots perfectly where Corey Seager left in fact, he's probably a more consistent hitter and he doesn't get hurt nearly as much as Seager does. I think this is an upgrade for the Dodgers. So now we're looking at a lineup. Mookie Betts seems to be healthy. Trey Turner is coming back. Freddie Freeman is there. Max Muncy's coming back. Woo! We're going to be the favorites again, Ernie. <laughs> the Dodgers are going to be the favorites. Dodger. Although we don't have much pitching. We Dodgers don't have will much pitching. They'll always be one of the favorites. They, all, they, they always will be the paper champions. But like in the NFL, so are the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so just a couple of other major... I think one of the things that I noticed is the amount of money being spent now after the lockout versus right before the lockout seems to be pretty noticeable. This is what I'm alluding to. Going into free agency, the shortstop position, you had Corey Seager as a big name, Carlos Correa as a big name. Corey Seager signs quickly in December before the lockout. He gets 10 years, $325 million. After the lockout, Carlos Correa, the best he could find is to sign with the Minnesota Twins for three years and 105 million. Now, granted, he's still getting 35 million a year, but 105 million versus 325 million, that's a huge difference for two guys that were expected to get the same amount of money. And then Trevor Story signs today with the Red Sox. He gets six years, 140 million. I think he was in that same boat expecting more money. So I think it's clear that after the lockout, I think the ownership knows that they have the leverage now because the season's going to start. And either you're going to sit out the season and make nothing or you're going to settle for the best offer that's on the table. I think that's what happened with Freddie Freeman, Carlos Correa, uh, and Trevor Story. So I'm excited. Baseball season's on the way, although it's a ways off before we really start paying attention. But my Dodgers with Freddie Freeman is looking good right now. Car- uh, Clayton Kershaw is coming back for one more year, although Kenley Jansen did sign with the Atlanta Braves. So the Dodgers are going to be closer by committee. But with that offensive team and the DH now in the National League, We'll be putting up touchdowns in LA, Ernie. Touchdowns. <laughs> Speaking of touchdowns, let's jump into the NFL. And a lot has happened in a the lot. last 10 days. Yes, a lot. I mean, let's start first with Tom Brady's return 
Never thought it would happen. I mean, I, I that am caught me surprised. By surprise. Yeah, yeah that I'm, caught I'm me surprised by surprise. that he left and then came back. Uh, he was gone for a total of two months. Um, but he came back, and you see the Tom Brady effect. I mean, Chris yeah. Godwin signs an extension. Ryan Jensen decides to stay back. Yeah, I Russell Jensen. Gage comes yeah. there. Um, so Tom Brady's doing his thing. And I think it kind of makes sense. I think he was looking at what was going on and being like, man, all I got to do is beat the Packers and the Rams. Because everybody else is now in the AFC mm-hmm. that he believes that they have a chance. I still think that they're a notch below um, the Rams at this point in time. But we'll see how free agency shakes out. Right. Uh, but at 45 years old, without some of the linemen that he lost, we'll, we'll, we'll see. But Tom Brady, Ernie, Tom Brady's back. Yeah. And when you have Tom Brady, you always have a chance. I mean, just, just based upon, you know, the savviness that he has. I mean, he doesn't even need to have, it. you know, the the old arm that he had i mean just just the way he executes and uh, you know plays basically chess out there with uh you know against inferior uh you know when i when I, and i say inferior in regards to how he plays the game versus other people he just he's he just has the savviness and he just does it how other quarterbacks are still learning how to you know, yeah, I mean, he has it. Well, he is the GOAT for a reason. Uh, and he certainly he certainly is the GOAT. But it seemed like him coming back sort of triggered a, a domino effect of the remaining quarterback positions. But I think the biggest news, we'll get to your Steeler news, but the biggest news of the last week has got to be the Cleveland Browns trade to get Deshaun Watson for Five total draft picks. Yeah, three number uh, ones. Three number ones, five total draft picks. Deshaun Watson is coming to Cleveland. Not only do they give up those assets to take someone that has some issues that still has to be rectified, but they tear up his contract, which he already had, and they give him five years and $230 million, 100% guaranteed. 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 So if something bad were to happen with him, they're screwed. His contract is guaranteed. So they have made their bed, and now they're going to have to sleep in it, Ernie. I mean, your thoughts on the Cleveland Browns, you already hate them, but your thoughts on the Deshaun Watson trade, do you, does it worry you that they've upgraded from Baker Mayfield, or are you still confident that they'll find a way to implode? No, they're, they're going to implode. I mean, they've been paper champions the last three years. I, 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 I've seen this train in so many forms and factors that it's not that it, it's it's crazy and i'll talk about this a little bit more in my final thoughts of the day but it's 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 just being this is it's getting crazy it's getting crazy what they are first first he doesn't want to go to cleveland then he uh you know surveys the the nfl landscape and they figure okay now now i want to go back uh to cleveland which is which is cleveland is happy because they already pissed off baker mayfield baker mayfield you know irregardless of what happened wanted to be traded out Cleveland doesn't want to let him go and uh, a total mess as far in my opinion uh, the front office of the Cleveland Browns were bailed out when Deshaun Watson wanted to come back well you know what 230 million dollars guaranteed is that's enough crazy. to change your mind exactly. I mean that's enough to change right. your I think mind the, I, I think the only side uh, bar on top of that is uh, it has to I, I think there is some cause from what I read that if one of these 22 civil uh, civil suits that are still pending against them uh, comes back to haunt in some form or fashion that they could uh, renege on the contract for conduct unbecoming or something like that. So although it's guaranteed, it's guaranteed. Uh, assuming that uh, assuming with a that, caveat. Uh, assuming that 
conduct unbecoming doesn't make a, uh, and I believe that's in all contracts. Conduct unbecoming is a really big thing in the NFL. You know, we, we, you know, and they already have one in regards to uh, Hunt who kicked his, who kicked his wife or girlfriend. Right. You know, they brought, they, they brought him on and then, yeah, so it, it, it's, it's crazy. The Cleveland Browns are, are, are doing nothing other than being the Cleveland Browns. Well, you know what? I think it's interesting because the Cleveland Browns to me are operating in a, in a way where they've signed him knowing what's going on. Mm-hmm. So if they did their due diligence and they still sign him. I'm not sure in a legal battle that we're going to be able to get out for things that are unbecoming because they willfully, knowing all the circumstances, sign him to this guaranteed contract. But let's talk specifically about the football. And we're going to stay first in your uh, AFC North because that's where I think you're excited about what the Steelers are doing. Deshaun Watson is, if he's healthy and able to play, is a clear upgrade. You're talking about a top yes. five or six quarterback in the NFL. He's a clear upgrade over... Um, over Baker Mayfield. And I've been a proponent that Cleveland's roster has been a top three roster for the last couple of years. But this roster is a little bit different. You know, OBJ is gone. Jarvis Landry is gone. Yes, they traded for Amari Cooper. So they have Amari Cooper there. You're still going to have Chubb and you're still going to have Hunt. But even on that offensive line, they cut cut their center this Mm -hmm. week. Um, On defense, there's some questions that are there. Will Jadavian Clowney come back? Um, I don't believe the roster is as strong around the quarterback position this year so far as it has been the last two years. So the question is, can Deshaun Watson make up that much more of a difference? And I think the second key will be what happens with Baker Mayfield and what assets can they get in a trade for Baker Mayfield? Yeah, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to have to be a large bounty. It's going to have to be a first-rounder, or if not a first-rounder, a uh, really high-profile free agents on top of that because this is who they lost. I mean, th- you already mentioned uh, Landry and OBJ. They lost Austin Hooper. They're terrific up-and-coming tight end. I think you mentioned Hubbard. I don't think they can re-sign Jadavian Clowney. I think he's going to go elsewhere. I don't think they got the, the money for it. Uh, Takaris McKinney, I think he's gone. He, he, he wasn't a playmaker anyway who they picked up from Atlanta. I think he's a, he's a bust, but they lost Malcolm Smith. Mac Wilson was traded to the Patriots. They lost a ton. This is definitely not, at least on paper, not the same Cleveland Browns as you've, as you've uh, you know, that has come up over the last two years. Deshaun Watson is a major upgrade in my opinion. I think he'll make everything better, but... He's going to have to really, really meld with Amari Cooper. If that marriage does not work or, you know, they do not complement each other, Cleveland is going to be regretting this. It could be. I mean, if, if I had to guess right now, if you tell me that he's going to be able to play all the games this year, I'm thinking that the Cleveland Browns are going to be a better team because of Deshaun Watson, despite um, some of the losses, because I think Baker really struggled. Now, Here's my thing. I think they're going to have they definitely have to trade Baker Mayfield now. You cannot have, you know, 70 million dollars tied up in the quarterback position. I don't think they're going to get a very good asset for him. I think they're going to get at best a 2, maybe a 3. Um I hear Seattle's interested. I hear Cleveland is interested. Again, those are teams that kind of fit Baker Mayfield, run first, and then play action pass types. So I think he'd actually be a pretty good fit in, in Cleveland. I'm not sure Seattle's too close anyway 
but I think maybe they get a two, maybe they get a three for him. I think at this point, it's a matter of dumping him. And then it's going to be a matter of, does the team want to extend him? Right. Are you going to give up an asset to keep him for only one year? Maybe. It might be worth it, depending on the asset that you give up. Because mm-hmm. I would not, if I'm the Colts or the or the Seahawks, I am not giving Baker Mayfield a four or five-year extension right now. Right, I, right. He has to prove that he's healthy. He has to prove that he can play the quarterback position well. I know that I could... I could franchise him for two years no matter where he goes. I'm just really curious to see where he lands. You know, is it the Colts? Is it the Seahawks? Is it the Saints? Although it looks like the Saints are going to stay with Jameis Winston. But you're running out of teams that are actually looking for quarterbacks right, right now. And you still have Jimmy G out there. So. Right. Yeah. yeah. To me, it has to be Seattle, at least for Cleveland's sake. I mean, Baker has already made it known that he wants to go to the Colts. I think if, if, if uh, with that being known, I, I, I don't think the Colts will actually offer as much as Seattle has. Seattle already has, you know, Denver's... Uh, you know, drove of picks. Yeah, that, the two yeah. ones, the two twos. Right. So they could easily give up a two to get him. And yeah. I think that's probably what they're doing. The Colts got two third round picks for uh, for Carson Wentz. So I think that's really all that they would offer. I don't think they, they would offer anything more. Uh, and I, I think Cleveland, all things being equal, are going to want to trade him out of the conference. So I think Seattle would be a, a more obvious choice yeah, than, and, than and, the Colts. And, and uh, I hate to hate uh, Hurt Baker's... Uh, Feelings. I don't think the Colts want Baker. I mean, wh- why move on from Wentz and get replaced by Baker? To me, to me, that's that's a wash. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I, I I would go if I'm going to give up a two or a three, I'd go get Jimmy G. I mean, I would. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, let's talk about the Bengals. Now we went into the offseason understanding after they got licked by my Rams defensive line, of which I'm still mourning Von Miller going to Buffalo. But we'll get back to that later. Since free agency started, the Bengals have now signed three offensive linemen after they signed Lael Collins today. They've previously signed Ted Karras and Alex Kappa. Um, So they agreed with you, Ernie. They agreed that they got to take care of Joe Burrow and they're putting their money where their mouth is. And none of these contracts are exorbitant. So they still have quite a bit of money left to spend if they if they choose to do so but they're definitely addressing their most prominent need which is the offensive line so i actually think right now in that division before we start talking about your Steelers, i still see the Bengals as my top team uh, especially since they're shoring up the offensive line and then i think that, you know the next three teams are all bunched together if everything goes well cleveland could be well if the ravens stay healthy and lamar is healthy they could do well but your Steelers, Ernie, I love what they've done so far. Your thoughts on Mitch Trubisky and all the other things that they've pieced together since free agency started about 10 days ago. Yeah, when they, when I first got news of Mitch Trubisky, I wasn't that all, I mean, I wasn't that all excited about it. I was thinking, okay, you know what, let's instead instead of booing, let's see what the contract looks like. And then when I saw the car, I was anticipating $15 million a year. That was all, that was the chatter that was going around the internet. Then when I saw it was $14 million split over two years, I was saying, oh, all right, let's go, let's, let's go for it. What, what a deal on top of that, you know? And, but I still think, I still think he's going to have to, he's going to have to earn it. Steelers aren't going to give it to him. That That is a definite. He's going to be coming into a different system, uh, uh, Mason Rudolph, the not the incumbent, but the you know the the quarterback in waiting, if we may say, has already been in that system for for four years, so he knows it very well. He's gonna he's gonna have the upper hand at least getting into training camp. Mitch Trubisky is gonna have to he's gonna have to he definitely win that job, you know. So, but 
you know what? For $14 million, I like it because that allowed them to do a hell of a lot more, uh, uh, you know, in free agency. And, and, and free agency is not not done yet. I mean, they were able to get the linebacker that I, that, uh, you know, I want actually, I actually, I wanted Seattle's linebacker, <laughs> but you know what? I'll take miles Jack. I mean, uh, 16 million over two years to me is, is a deal on top of that. They were able to address the offensive line, although not star names, at least it's an upgrade over, you know, what we saw last year in, in, in but uh, I love the guard that they got, you know, when you were able, Daniels, Daniels. I believe is his name, when you're yeah. able to get somebody in free agency that is still only 24 years old, his prime is yet to come, so when you're gonna pay for a free agent, you want to get them before their prime, yeah, and ride out their prime, he's as good. usual, your Steelers do a phenomenal job in the offseason. Yeah, he's he he is the X factor. I believe they got a steal in regards to him. They also got Mason Cole from uh, Minnesota. I don't know if you know he pushes out Green as far as. Uh, you know, getting that starting job, but he's very versatile. He can play the guard as well as the center, both sides of the guard, left and right, as well as the center. So very flexible. On top of that, uh, they will. I, I anticipate they will have a better, uh, better offensive line coupled with you know better in the middle in regards to uh, the linebacking crew. They already have two. You know, in my opinion, the the, the best dynamic duo is as far as of course you got with T.J. Watt. That's very easily done in regards to the edges up there. Uh, with Tuit coming back as well as Alu Alu couple with Cam Hayward, uh, you know what that uh, that that front seven is is formidable. Just waiting for the rest of the free agency to shore up the back. Maybe we get that in in uh, in the draft, but it, it looks very promising. I right? they'll compete. They'll compete. Yeah, I mean, I, I was really happy for you. I thought they did a, a phenomenal job, and not marquee, not huge names, but I love the Miles Jack. Two years, sixteen million dollar, and, and you know they get him. They release Showbert, so it doesn't really cost them anything. Mm -hmm. They're just swapping out salaries right. there and upgrading the talent. Mm -hmm. I love what they did addressing their offensive line. They signed some key pieces in the defensive backfield, and Trubisky. There's no risk there. I still believe if Pittsburgh has their way, they're gonna draft Malik Willis, mm -hmm. and then he'll have two years to play behind Trubisky. If Trubisky turns out to be great, Trubisky. Then you can trade them for assets. Uh, if not, you have you have a, a quarterback of the future. So I like what the Pittsburgh Steelers did. Now, let's talk about my Rams because it's been a lot of sadness for me <laughs> uh, so far. It, it was to be expected, you know, coming off a Super Bowl, you're going to lose some assets. I, I, I thought that the Rams did a good job keeping three of their four offensive linemen because I think that's going to be the key. Uh, I was sad to see Von Miller go, but... If Buffalo is willing to give him six years and $120 million for a 33-year-old pass rusher, um, I believe that's crazy. And $51 million guaranteed, $45 million this year. Um, if I'm Von Miller, I know he was torn, but that was just too much for him to pass up. Yeah. Uh, so he goes to Buffalo. So that leaves a big void. Matthew Stafford extends yesterday, so it stretches him out. So now he signed for $160 million over 40 years. But his cap this year only goes down to 23. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so that buys more space. And then I was brokenhearted as, as Robert Woods gets traded to the Tennessee Titans. Um, my concern with what the Rams are doing right now is I think you have to trust in McVay and Les Snead. I mean, they won the Super Bowl. 
But man, they're losing a lot of leaders. Von Miller was a leader. Johnny Hecker they cut. He's been our special teams captain for five, six years. Um, Robert Woods is a captain. You know, Andrew Whitworth retired. He was the ultimate leader on this team. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of leadership, you know. And you still have Aaron Donald. You still have Jalen. You still have Cooper. And you still have Stafford. But that is a lot of leadership. But they signed Allen Robinson the other day. Mm -hmm. So I think... Theoretically, you're 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 improving talent-wise, um, but they must know something. They must think that they're gonna get OBJ because right now you're just trading positions. Mm -hmm. You know, if Allen Rob, you by getting rid of Woods, you're still only with Cup and Robinson and Van Jefferson. You're not any better than you were in this Super Bowl right now. Uh, and even if you do get OBJ, you're not gonna get them until December at best. Off two ACLs in the same knee. So I'm a little bit concerned about what the Rams are doing there. I know they're working to make Aaron Donald the highest paid defensive player. They need some money for that. But the Rams need to address Von Miller's pass rushing. Right. And they it looks like they really want to get Bobby Wagner. And I think Bobby Wagner is down to choosing between the 49ers and the Rams. Um, but they got, they got to find a way to replace Von Miller. Because if not, you're just going to have everybody ganging up on Aaron Donald. And that's going to be a problem. So the Rams still have work to do. Um, so right now, I wanted to ask you, you know, besides the Steelers and, and the Rams, obviously, who has had the best and worst free agency so far? I wouldn't say that my Rams have had the worst free agency, but there's been some heartache for us Ram fans. There's been a little bit of heartache uh, so far. But who do you think have ha has had a really good free agency period? As far as immediate impact on the free agency, I, w I would have to say the Denver Broncos just, uh, uh, you know, securing Russell Wilson. When, I mean, they have a tremendous defense. You know, I really thought that Von Miller was probably going to go back there, even uh, at lesser money than what he's getting at Buffalo, you know, just, just because, you know, that's where he originated from. Uh, you know, they got good skill position over there. Really, out of any team out there that there was missing one piece, it was the Denver Broncos missing that quarterback. So I think, uh, you know, for the, for the quality of, uh, you know, replacement that you put into that position, I believe they're the ones who, who had the best offseason. Because as you've seen, you know, they're, they're following the Rams model over there. The Rams were just that one quarterback away from Jared Goff. You know, and they got Matt Stafford and, you know, of course, other people played into that. But, you know, they, he brought them to the promised land. He was just that he was just that one little piece to get them over the hill. And I think that that I mean, I'm not saying that they're Super Bowl favorites or anything like that, but they will contend. Yeah, I mean, I, obviously, I like the, the addition of Russell Wilson. I think that is a solid addition. I, I also like what the Chargers have done. I mean, they have. They re-signed Mike Williams. They signed J.C. Jackson, the leading quarterback on the mar market. Uh, they trade for Khalil Mack. They signed Sebastian Joseph Day, uh, the nose tackle. Um, Chargers have done a really good job in free agency so far to me. The Raiders, interesting. Trading for Devontae Adams, and we haven't discussed that yet. Mm -hmm. um, and giving him a five-year, $142 million contract. So... Does Devontae Adams upgrade the Raiders at this point as a wide receiver? Of course he does. I mean, he is, if not the best, one of the top two or three receivers in all of the NFL. And now you have Adams, you have Waller, you have Renfro, you have Jacobs, you have Carr. 
reuniting with Derek Carr from their Fresno State days. I think they upgrade for now. But at 30 years old, before the season starts, is he really worth $30 million or almost $30 million a year for the next five years? I probably think not. Uh, But for this year, could he help? Yes. Does it elevate the Raiders from the fourth best team in the division? I don't think so. You know, I think the Kansas City is still number one. They add Juju. That's not a huge addition, but another asset, Mm -hmm. you know, for Patrick Mahomes. Um, and he, if he can stay healthy, he could thrive there with all the attention that goes to Kelsey and to Tyree Kill. Mm-hmm. He could thrive as a possession receiver. Um, I like Russell Wilson and, and him upgrading the Denver Broncos. I love the Chargers. So I still think, to me, the Raiders are probably in the fourth spot. So giving up those kind of assets and dollars for Devontae, I question that a little bit. I, 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 I do, too. I mean, like you said, he's, he's getting up there in age, although he's... He's still a very productive. We'll see how his relationship with Carr. I mean, they did play together in college. So, you know, they do have that connection over there. Uh, Carr seems to be on and off. I mean, he started off pretty well. uh, You know, took some beating somewhere in the middle. uh, Squeezed, squeaked into the playoffs, you know, at the the last minute. So, but you're right. I mean, that's, that seems like, uh, you know, a last ditch effort. But nothing that uh, the Raiders do actually surprises me. I mean, that, that's one franchise, you know, although, you know, they, they do have a history of, you know, Super Bowls and whatnot. Uh, it's, it's, it's crazy what they do. And let me just go back to the Chargers. You didn't even say Khalil Mack on the Chargers. Yeah, he got the trade yeah, for Khalil yeah, Mack. Yeah, so that even, that, that's, a, that's, to me, that, that's, that's real big for the Chargers. Although, you know, who, know, who knows with Khalil Mack? I mean, I still think, uh, you know, at one point he... He was budding, uh, you know, Aaron Donald for at for you know at least in uh, on on paper on who was the best defensive player of the year maybe two or three years ago. So that's a that's definitely a big acquisition for the Chargers. But you know, a lot on paper we can say this and that. It really comes down to what meshes. You know, who who actually fits the system. Everybody's style of play is different. Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick, I'll just use that because he's close to the heart for me. When he when he was in Miami, they had him as a basically uh, you know a, a, a roamer, you know, playing too many positions on the field rather than just being a normal uh, you know the the free safety that he plays in, in the Steelers type of defense. So that scheme that they have over here actually made him into an all pro safety. So it really depends on what kind of scheme that fits you. Uh, that remains to be seen on a lot. A lot of these teams, I mean, the the individual transferring from one squad to the other squad is not as, you know, as as uh, simple as it looks. Uh, things have to happen. Things, uh, you know, uh, opportunities have to be there. You know, responsibilities have to be there. When you have eleven guys on the field, it's never just one person. It has to. You have to be in in cohesion on top of there. But so uh, it's it it's great to look at it. Gives us a lot of hope and promise, especially for the teams that you think done well in the offseason. But it's a wait and see until, I would say, at least the first four or five weeks of the season. So three teams real quick, and then I'll turn it over to you for your closing thought that I think have have not had the greatest free agency. I think the Jacksonville Jaguars, I think they had so much money to spend and they spent so much money. They've sent out $236 million in contracts, and I'm not sure they got anyone at a value. Four years, $72 million for Christian Kirk, who was the third or fourth wide receiver from the Cardinals. 
You know, Evan Ingram hasn't been able to stay healthy for the Giants. They gave him $10 million. Darius Williams from my Rams, they gave him three years and $39 million. Um, They've accumulated some talent, so I think they've upgraded a little bit, but I think the value is just not there on any of the assets that they've invested in. So I'm not really high on, on what the Jacksonville Jaguars are doing, although I think it'll make them marginally better this year. The Dallas Cowboys, I thought, have oh, struggled. Terrible. You know, they've terrible. lost Amari Cooper for uh, you know a bag of chips. They lost Cedric Wilson, you know, to the Miami Dolphins. They're so they re-signed Michael Gallup, the one wide receiver that's always hurt, tore his ACL last year. They kept him. Um, they released Lyle Collins. You know, Connor Williams, their guard, goes to Miami. Randy Gregory, they thought they signed. They released that they re-signed Randy Gregory. He reneges, and he's in Denver now. So I think the Dallas Cowboys have had a, a very inauspicious beginning. And then slide. the Packers. I mean, they spent all this money to keep Aaron Rodgers, and, and he's great. But now you've lost Zadarius Smith. You had to cut him. You've traded Devontae Adams. So you have no wide receiver assets. So you have Aaron Rodgers and no assets. Um, I believe that they, they're, they're going to struggle as well. So I think the Packers, the Cowboys, and the Jaguars, have, for different reasons, have struggled so far in free agency. To me, those are the teams that have, have had the, the weakest. But it, I think it remains very clear that the AFC is trying to outdo each other. And they are wildly spending and trying to get assets because they're all trying to compete. The AFC top to bottom is so much better than the NFC mm-hmm. after free agency so far. At least that's what it looks I, like. I, no, I, all of I, I'd put money down on top of that. I agree with you 100. percent And yeah, I mean, imagine your your Aaron Rodgers. You agree to that really ridiculous contract, and then your number one receiver leaves. He must be sick to his his stomach. I I, I have to believe that he thought Devonte Adams would have been there, but that you know what. Oh boy! And the Packers apparently offered him the same money that the Raiders did, and he decided that he did not want to stay there. It's, he was mad at the Packers for franchising him, and then he it's, left. So it's crazy. It is. It is crazy. But all of that in the NFC is good news for my Rams. No, <laughs> because I, the weaker the <laughs> NFC gets, the better chance for the Rams to stay relevant. But Ernie, I, I'm curious to see where you're going with your with your uh, with your closing thought today. I know it's talking NFL and free agency, correct? Right, right. And you know, with all these with all this news, the big news in regards to uh, you know, the quarterback changes, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers staying place uh, at a king's ransom and then some and the latest being Deshaun Watson, which is amazing considering he still has the the 22 civil lawsuits uh, still pending against him is, is is crazy. And 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 my thought was, where does it stop? And how did this happen? Start to begin with, and and I, and I can only look towards your Rams of last year. And this is like I, like I said, this is a copycat league, you know. And and it was the Rams. It, it was basically the Rams' success on on uh, you know giving up two first round draft picks to acquire. Matt Stafford from uh, the Detroit Lions, and it it, it it paid dividends. And I mean, they were able to, uh, you know, secure that Super Bowl win in in what I thought was a, a really exciting uh, playoffs for not only your Rams but for a number of teams out there. Rams playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and uh, and you know even even the Tennessee game. I mean, I thought that was a, a, a terrific game out there. But at what price? 
do these teams really want to pay in? Uh, because you're talking about mortgaging your future when you're giving up your number ones in successive years. And in the Cleveland Browns case, three years, a number two and the number three. Uh, and with the contracts that you're paying them, you're basically uh, ha hands tied behind your back in regards to getting any more uh, or release at least any more impact help, you know, to surround them in the very immediate future. So you're going to have to uh, basically, you know, cross your fingers that this this works because in the long run, in, in, unless you can pick some some studs in the second, third, fourth round that are actually first round material, you, you know, you set up your your franchise for failure. You know, I, and I can see this happening every other year that you take this chance. But we, we're, we're talking about uh, two this year. And if you want to count Aaron Rodgers as three, being that they resigned him for that $200 million, $50 million a year, that's three quarterbacks that you've resigned at, at, at like I said, King's Ransoms Plus. Uh, and only one winner. So which one of those, if you just choose those three teams and... Uh, the other two lose. Was it worth it? I, I, I really, I really don't think so. I really think you gotta, you, you gotta build through the draft. You build through the draft, and giving away doesn't do that do you that many favors. Unless, of course, you're the you're the Rams. They operate like the like the Dodgers, and they operate like the Lakers, where everybody wants to come to sunny LA. You know, you have the you know you have glam over there to help you as a you know, additional recruiter. But when, when, you're, when you're in Green Bay, when you're in Denver, Colorado, and the glitz isn't there, when, when you're in Cleveland, uh, the armpit of America, uh, you don't have that same draw. It's going to be hard to get those free agent discounts. You're not Brady. At least Brady was in Tampa Bay. You know, he, he, went, he, 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 he got out of Boston, cold weather Boston, into a sunnier territory and, and you know he was able to be the Pied Piper and everybody started flocking towards him you know thinking that they, they have a chance though and th these three teams Green Bay Cleveland and Denver aren't like that you know so I think it's a very big risk very big risk on on, on top of them not to say that one of them is not going to win that's not what I'm trying to say I just think it's 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 a really big risk. And if we go back to to the Los Angeles Rams who won this year's Super Bowl, they were a blitz away from not even getting to the Super Bowl. I mean, Cooper Cup at the last minute, you know, does that split seam down the middle on a failed all-out blitz according, you know, according to the Tampa Bay coach that they did not full all-out blitz. You know, and that's how Cooper Cup was able to get that uh, seam pass, set up the field goal for, you know, that, uh, you know, for the go-ahead win. So it's close. I mean, even for, there is an element of luck to get into there. So if you're a Green Bay fan, if you're a Cleveland fan, if you're a Denver Bronco fan, I, I, hope, I hope at least one of you uh, gets something out of this because... It doesn't look 
in my book, it doesn't look too good for the future as far as the long run is concerned. No, I would agree. I, I do think that spending is, is exorbitant. Uh, I think Dallas learned, I think Dak's $45 million contract is going to bite Dallas. It already has. It has. It yeah, is. to get rid of Amari Cooper. Yes. And we talked about this the other week. Dak is not the same quarterback without Amari Cooper. Mm-hmm. Um, the one team that I think this year, and I think that's why they overspent for Von Miller, is Buffalo. I do think Buffalo thinks that they are right there. Yeah. They're ready to win the championship. They overspent for Von Miller for sure. For some reason, they think he is the missing piece. Maybe it's his leadership to help the two rookies uh, that they drafted last year, Gregory Rousseau, develop, um, whatever that is. I think they believe that they're right there ready to win. Um, but let's, if, you know, a lot of people talk about the Rams, but the Rams do what you do. They do build through the draft. They have four, even this year, they have 14 of their 22 starters were people that they've drafted. What they then do is they use future assets during the season to go get people. So Jalen Ramsey in the season, uh, a couple of years ago, they traded two number one picks to bring in Jalen Ramsey. It didn't work out for them that year. This year, they traded a two and a three for Von Miller. That worked out nicely. And they didn't have to give up anything for OBJ. I mean, he was a free agent that was cut. All you had to do was sign him. Mm -hmm. Um, So they didn't have to give up that much. They did for Stafford. They had to give up Goff and another number one pick and another asset for for Stafford. Um, But you have to do things in the right way. You cannot spend frivolously. You have to have a plan in place. And the plan in free agency has to be supported by drafting well. Right. Because there's a salary cap. You can't just buy a title like the Yankees and Dodgers can in baseball. You can't. In football, there's a hard cap that makes it difficult. If you're going to, for every Aaron Donald or TJ Watt you bring in, you got to have some young people that are developing that are making minimum wages. Because if you pay Donald and Ramsey and Stafford and Cup all big money, the rest of the team has to make a little bit. And that has to be drafting well. So it's one way or the other. So, But I agree with you. I think the Packers are in for a long-term hurt now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the the Denver situation, we'll see. I mean, I think Wilson is young enough and their talent around him is young enough that I think that they can build something. But I do think Buffalo is the one exception, that they're going all in and it's going to be this year or bust for Buffalo. That's what it seems like. Um, but with so many teams spending unbelievable amounts of money, it's crazy. But not everybody has the Steelers acumen and, and being well run. I mean, the Steelers do things remarkably well, but they do the same thing. They're similar to the Rams. They don't bring in a lot of big name stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They draft well. They pay their people well that they've drafted and they keep them. Um, and then they supplement with some chief parts uh, that people want to play for the Steelers, even if Pittsburgh is not exactly Los Angeles <laughs> or Tampa Bay. They have the reputation to draw people to want to play for the Steelers. Yeah, true, true, true. So we'll see. We'll see what happens with those three teams. You know, like I said, I'm not saying they're not going to win. Uh, I just hope that, uh, you, well, I really don't hope that they get that. That means the Steelers are probably going to be out. Uh, but, <laughs> but boy, it seems like a very, the risk doesn't seem like, there's too much risk versus the reward, in my opinion. I mean, you're mortgaging your future like that. Uh, it's like me putting a mortgage on a parlay and, you know, then then I don't have to pay the next 20 mortgages. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ernie, that was an awesome, that was an awesome talk. So speaking of mortgaging on a parlay, don't forget... 
our final four picks are still around. Yeah. So if you want to go ahead, Gonzaga, UCLA, Arizona, Houston. Those four teams have the metrics. One of those four are going to cut down the nets. I'm Ernie Herbst, it's UCLA because his his final four champion is listed in there. I, of course, hope it's going to be Gonzaga. But March Madness lived up to its reputation in week one. Three of the top four seeds are still in there, barely, but they advance. And St. Peter's, the Cinderella of Cinderella's, a 15 seed advancing to the Sweet 16 and an 11 and a 10 matching off against each other to get to the Elite Eight. So we're going to have some under dogs still there as we get to the final four anything else you want to talk about i'm good a packed week gang by the time we record next week we'll be down to the final four in ncaa basketball but until then check us out on social media at sports rivals podcast on ig and facebook sports rivals pod on twitter check us out there tell us what you think tell us what your thoughts are in the first week and until next week the sports rivals are out Thank you for joining us on the Sports Rivals Podcast. Check us out on social media at Sports Rivals Podcasts on Instagram and at Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter, where you can share topics you'd like to hear.